You're listening to MHD Off The Record. On this episode, we speak with Akil West. Akil West is a Los Angeles native entrepreneur, master gardener, author, and community advocate. After being incarcerated for 15 years, West committed his life's work to developing opportunities for people of color in his community. West is the founder of Black-owned and operated Community Land Trust, a community-based initiative dedicated to stabilizing predominantly Black and underserved neighborhoods through community leadership and awareness surrounding the issues of housing, transportation, recreation, and economic opportunity. West is also the CEO and founder of Lamert Park Village's Soul Folks, a nonprofit retail hub dedicated to cultivating Black entrepreneurship and creativity through innovative programming, mentorship, and financial support. Currently, West is the treasurer of the Lamert Park Village Merchants Association and principal at New Black Wall Street. Enjoy the show. All right, uh, Akil West, we have today uh, one of the visionaries of our neighborhood and our community, the founder of the Soul Folks mm-hmm. um, store mm-hmm. in uh, Artist Collective in Lamert Park yep. um, that I spend way too much money in every time <laughs> I am in Lamert Park. I always have the excuse that I want to take somebody who's with me who's never been in, and I can never get out for under like a couple hundred bucks. So, uh, welcome, welcome, welcome to uh, Off the Record. It's it's uh, good to see you here. Uh, Big news in Lamert Park. Big news with uh, Soul Folks. But Mm -hmm. first, tell us about the vision for the store uh, and how you got that to come about. Yeah, man. um, I've been an entrepreneur since I was like 19 years old. Uh, My first clothing store was in the Fox Hills Mall. um, And I opened up a store in West L.A. Uh, And uh, to make a long story short, about, I don't know, maybe 20 years later, I ended up opening up a space in Lamar Park because I wanted to open up a sneaker store where young people can actually go to instead of going to Melrose and all those other places. So uh, so uh, eventually I, I got a location thanks to uh, Barbara Morrison. I was able to get her old space and um, it was going to be a retail store with sneakers. And then eventually um, it kind of like morphed into a co-op um, because of the pandemic and uh, the fact that a lot of young designers couldn't sell their wares. Yeah. So we utilized that space almost like a co-op slash whole like um like consignment space yeah and um it was uber successful we started doing a bunch of programming and um we started making some moves it's like our it's like our neighborhood mm-hmm. our folks is uh fred siegel yes kind of set yep. up and design yep. uh it's very nice uh tell me about your background so how you got uh to be here so where'd you grow up and yeah yeah i'm originally from new orleans but i came here when huh. i was like 12. okay so you know i'm really from la uh i went to uh audubon uh, junior high with yeah. Crenshaw, um, and uh, yeah, that's that's where I came from. These areas, Lemur Park was like my stumping grounds. Uh-huh, Street Dicks, uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, the Elephant Walk, you know. Wow, so, the Elephant stuff. Walk. I'm, that's yeah, definitely yeah, yeah, a yeah. throwback. Yeah, that was it. That was, that was it. That's when I first saw a lot of you know black men and women really claiming their turf and um, bringing in some entrepreneurship and professionalism. Yeah. And what were you interested in as a young person? I was really into like uh, just everything, or, you know, organic and you know, roots. I, I mean, I had dreads. I was a vegan back then. I was wow! Straight out of uh, high school, you know what I'm saying? So the Mur Park was like it. Yeah, you know and uh, you know the African marketplaces. Yeah, and uh, Sika and Snake Doctor, all of those great brothers. You know, I was really inspired. Yeah, the Mur Park was like uh, it was like a, a village. So you find yourself back in Lemur Park mm-hmm. after uh, all these years. What's mm-hmm. your 
Tell us about your your vision of the Merck Park. So how do we make it modern, make it respond to the times, but also mm-hmm. keep those traditions that are so, yeah. you know, so the Merck Park? I think um, by nurturing the uh, the young artists in the community, you know, I think uh, going back to its roots, you know what I'm saying, the uh, the Brockman galleries and stuff like that, you know. I believe when um, the artists in the community kind of have the, you know, the opportunity to spread their wings, they bring in ingenuity and all kind of uh, uh, small businesses to pop up. So I just felt that if we um, concentrated on that with Soul Folks and um, the Soul Folks Art Lab and, you know, working alongside, you know, Haroom and all of those other great spaces like the World Stage yeah. and provide space for the artists, I think um, everything else will begin to blossom. So, um, you know, my plan um, with the with the group that we formed, uh, which is a black owned and operated community land trust, is to uh, actually build spaces for those people. So t- tell me more about how you see that coming about so uh, the community uh, land trust that you all formed mm-hmm. you didn't just form an organization you formed an organization and took down a major piece of, piece of real estate in Lamar mm-hmm. Park yeah but what's your vision for that and then uh, beyond that in Lamar Park yeah our, our vision man is to really sit down with the community and discuss what our plans are and our plans are to create a, uh, a possible five to six story space that's going to provide housing one for one for uh, young people who are coming out of uh, system impacted situations. That's foster care, that's juvenile hall who have dreams of going into the industrial design field. And through that, we're working with partnerships with organizations like Art Center, College of Design um, and other colleges. Right. But um, the main objective is to make sure that the actual businesses that are there get to stay in, stay in space. You know, we built all this cultural equity within this last two years during the pandemic by creating all of these festivals and all of this, you know, we, we made we made Park pop, you know, mm-hmm. uh, hot mm-hmm. and cool room. We start doing our thing and a lot of uh, investors and developers started circling. So the main thing was to kind of like stay in space and then um you know, the plan now is to actually create more retail space so more of the people who are vending cannot have the opportunity to now get into one of these buildings and have an actual, you know, a, a stronger stake in the community. So that's the plan to create food halls and, you know, micro businesses inside of this new building that we want to construct with the community, of course. And talk to me about the decision to hook up mm-hmm. with, you know, your fellow uh, entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. And, you know, form this group and, you know, yeah. everybody opens up the paper one day and says the merchants are buying the building. Yeah, yeah. You know, because um, this is uh, just to cut you off for a second. Mm-hmm. You know, the the merchants and landlords has been a source of tension in Lamert Park yeah. for since the early 90s, yeah. at least probably before that. I just don't remember. You know, true. I just don't know. But it's always been an issue from, you know, repaving the parking lot to mm-hmm. whether or not Degnan was a walking street or a driving street mm-hmm. to, you know, Congo Square back. I mean, it's just yeah. it's always been like a thing yeah, uh, between the merchants and and the building owners. And, and now the merchants are the building owners. Mm-hmm. Now, that's a big deal, man. You know, when I decided to look for a space in Lamar Park, um, it was uh, it was one of the buildings owned by, of course, one of the owners who still own the space. And uh, I never really got an answer to why I, didn't, I wasn't able to get it. I had really good partners. Their, their credit was just as, you know, it was really good. They had funding, but we never really, really received the answer to why I didn't get the space. It took me like three months to figure that out. And then I found out that a lot of those people in that community who had retail spaces, they were on month-to-month rents. Mm. And then 
um, so a lot of these people don't even have like a, a full year lease so they can even project what they're going to do in the next sure. you know you can't really even create a, a decent business plan under those circumstances so when I opened up Soul Folks I was able to honestly see how it works when we work together you know what I'm saying because I wouldn't have been there if I didn't have those small entrepreneurs you know bringing product to help us keep the bills paid and so um, after one Juneteenth you know I was talking to Tony from Hot and Cool and I was like look man Juneteenth is, you know, it was like the 17th or the 18th. And I was like, we're preparing for Juneteenth, but we really should be preparing for June 20th. And he was like, what's that? And he said, I said, that's when we set out to actually buy the building. Wow. And he was like, what? Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and during that time, you know, we it was a lot of contention between Tony and myself. You know what I'm saying? Because we both were doing things. People were pulling on each, you know. Yeah. And, you know, you know how, how we get. You all were generating a lot of energy. Yeah. 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 So we, we, we wasn't really getting along. But at that point, we decided, you know what I'm saying? It's, it's bigger for us to actually work together and, and make this happen. And, and if it looks like we're together, then everybody else will join for, forces. And so we decided right there in that moment to go head on in partnership. And we've like, we're really tight and we actually made it happen, you know? And uh, yeah, yeah, that's that's how that came about. Interesting. Mm -hmm. um, and so how many merchants are involved? How did you all, you know, what yeah. was, what does it take? Because there's so many places in our community mm -hmm. where I think people have this idea but it mm -hmm. just feels so unattainable it feels like so far from yeah. where you are to where you need to be yeah yeah well first of all we had to uh, put together like a form mm -hmm. and tell people what we wanted to do and then we wanted people to sign it and say hey I want to be a part of this so we passed it out to all of the tenants believe it or not all the tenants wasn't uh, excited about becoming an owner really no they wasn't excited about being an owner they wanted to you know live out the rest of their days and call uh, it a day I see, I see. and then some people they're they're a non-profit organization and their non-profit voted not to get involved in, in that but they would love to be tenants and those same uh, tenants who said that they want to be a part of it agreed to assist us because they wanted to see us with it and so we had all you know full support in that wow. area yeah wow and how many of it? How many tenants uh, are involved? It's four. It's four. Four, it's, okay. Yeah, it's Dr. Dove um, over at uh, Core. It's uh, Tony at Hot and Cool. And it's a day, a day at right at on Bike, bike Shop. Okay. And then it's us. Okay. Mm -hmm. Very nice. Mm -hmm. So uh, back to Soul Folks. So, mm -hmm. so it is a collective of artists mm -hmm. uh, that are selling, you know, mostly original designs yeah. uh, that they've done. How do you find folks? What? How do people participate in the in the venture that is so folks yeah yeah now it's kind of like an organic thing but when we first started it was because of a sister by the name of ferris mason ferris uh i used to be the um the uh the project manager and um event manager at a place called awa oasia which is a space where she did an event called uh Come Up LA. Mm -hmm. And at Come Up LA, she had all oh, these it's dope. Come up LA. Yes, okay. yeah. Okay. It was a bunch of dope ass black people coming together to sell their product with dope DJs and vegan food. And so um, when I finally got the space, I had called her and told her, look, I got a dope location and I want you to come check it out. And so she helped me curate the first the first uh, generation of the Soul Folks uh, co-op members. And then from there, it's just been like organic. You know, she's like, it's, it's kind of hard to deal with all of the people who want to be inside the store now and if and if the designers had brands that popped or that you know kind yeah. of went viral yeah 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 we had a lot we have um certain situations where some of our designers end up designing for like big organizations like forever 21 wow um we partnered with gucci uh to an organization called gucci changemaker which is their um their foundation 
uh, all types of things <coughs> took place because of it, because of uh, because of most of the designers and the things that they're doing. And of course, we had some designers go, you know, like um, ESPN. Uh, HBCU jacket by one of our designers named um, Chicago Playground. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it was Stephen A. Smith. He wore it and that went crazy and we couldn't, you know, we couldn't stop. And then we did the entrepreneur video, music video. And uh, that brought in a lot of attention because of some of our designers. Wow. Mm-hmm. Um, amazing. And so, uh, so folks will stay there for the time being mm-hmm. while you're doing that up. And then you, are there other spaces or ventures that you're looking at in this time? Yeah, period? yeah, yeah. We just opened up, well, we're opening up um, the So Folks Art Lab, which is a space that we have over at the Crenshaw Mall. It's like a 20,000 square foot space. It's the old Crenshaw um, Auto Center. And inside of that space is where we're going to be having um, a podcast studio. We're going to be um, where we have a, a artist design space where we have about 16 power sewing machines and um, pottery classes. And we have an art gallery and a performance art studio where people are currently using for dance classes, choir classes and things of that nature. And we have a tech, a tech room that's inside of there where we're going to be teaching people gaming and robotics. Yeah. Your Soul Folks is described as a co-op retail space. Yes. Can you explain what that is mm-hmm. and why you decided to take that route? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think stronger together type situation, right? Co- the co-op basically came came together out of necessity. You know, people had, like I said, they had a bunch of product that they thought they was going to be selling that summer. And that product was in their living rooms and, you know, in their closets. And they found a space that they can actually sell it. And at the same time, they wanted to provide some of the services. A lot of these people that were co-opted in with us were people who worked for like these Fortune 500 companies and had all these marketing skills and all those different things. So they decided to come and take some of those skills and bring it to this small space. And um, it just developed. And at the same time, we created like a membership base. And, you know, whenever we have something going on, their first, you know, it's a dope thing. And a co-op is a cooperative business. Mm-hmm. Can you describe exactly what that is and what your model is within that? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so our model is basically people will pay a member. There's a membership and then there are services that they either we provide and they provide. Um, they either come in and they help sell, they help us with marketing, huh. things of that nature, and then we split the pie. You know, sometimes we do what is called um, group um, purchasing where, you know, let's say you have to get white T-shirts. She has to get white T-shirts. You guys come together, pool and get it at a cheaper price because now you're buying it in bulk. You know what I'm saying? So we do a lot of different things like that. Well, that's huge. Mm -hmm. What do you think are the main barriers to designers, artists being able to make a living? Yes. So in most cases, it's capital. Sometimes it's um, know-how, but mostly it's, you know, it's it's marketing when they actually have a product that's ready to go and they just can't get it seen. Mm -hmm. Um, For instance, uh, at the Art Lab, one of our biggest issues with with most painters is that they can't afford to buy canvases because canvases is damn near $500 before they even put paint on it. Really? Right, yes. It's really expensive. Really expensive to actually compete, no matter how good of an artist you are. If you don't have that capital, you you know, the tools, you know, that's, that's, that's an issue. So we've... Uh, created a small wood shop. We have uh, a CNC machine. This, this machine is like a hundred thousand dollar machine. Mm. You know what I'm saying? So we got organizations to to donate certain equipment that now can level the playing field. So these artists can do what they need to do. We got silk screen machines, DTG machines, wow. which is direct to garment machines, where stuff that they wouldn't have access to. You know, so that's what we're doing. Very nice. Um, so I. I'm a young artist. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have talent. Mm-hmm. You know, I've maybe gotten some formal training at mm-hmm. some school somewhere, and I'm back here. I'm living, you know, in LA, sleeping on my mom's couch. Uh, what's your advice? Oh man, join an organization like this one. 
You know what I'm saying? Come through, uh, you know, get your mentorship. You know what I'm saying? Connect with people who are doing what you want to do. You know what I'm saying? Follow them, intern with them, you know, let them become your mentor and, you know, start putting the first foot forward. You know, um, a lot of young people, I mean, the, the ones that, that stick around, you know, they came in because they had an idea. You know, most of these designers in the beginning, they only had like T-shirts. You know what I'm saying? They came in with T-shirts and a hat. Now they're cutting and sewing. You know what I'm saying like they're wow. they're they're cutting and sewing. They're doing some, they're doing huge numbers. They're not only in Soul Folks. They're in the other stores that are kind of like like a Soul Folks, and they're making some numbers. You know, so it's it's a beautiful thing, man. When when um, entrepreneurs finally have someone that kind of speaks their language, and then they can see people that look like them that come from where they come from, yeah. and actually are being successful. And that's one of the things that's great about Soul Folks. So not only do you help them mm-hmm. as far as investing in their business, but you even expand mm-hmm. their idea of design. Because yeah. I often hear young people say they're going to sell sweatshirts and mm-hmm. T-shirts, mm-hmm. but it doesn't go beyond that. Because you can yeah. go online and find a print and yeah. ship company yeah. that'll do that for you. Mm-hmm. But the design of the actual cut yeah. isn't a part of that. Yeah, yeah. I got one guy, man, his name is Roman. Um, he actually, when he started kind of like what we talked about, but now he's actually manufacturing product in Africa and he's going back and forth to Africa. He just bought like several computers for the people that he's working with. Um, we did a collaboration on the bag and the por- proceeds of that bag is now going to build a manufacturing space inside of, uh, inside of their little village and they're going to be making things for other people. Yeah. That's it. Just, it started right here in Lamar Park. Wow. Yeah. That's Mm -hmm. what's what I'm hearing from what you're talking about that really amazes me is Mm -hmm. that not only are you did you create this space that Mm -hmm. first of all, you start off as a consignment sneakers store Mm -hmm. that expanded to a Mm -hmm. co-op and then you, you know, created this uh, community land trust, which Mm -hmm. I want to even talk. I know we talked about a little bit earlier, but really Mm -hmm. talk about what that even really is. But you then had that replicated even Mm -hmm. amongst Mm -hmm. the people that are coming through your organization. Yeah. That's powerful. Mm-hmm. That impact and how that like, even across the world. Right. Did right. you anticipate that? No, nah, no, nah, I, I didn't um, anticipate it. But I kind of knew that, you know, it was a particular wavelength of, of, of young people right now who are operating from a particular a particular frequency that I can do frequency. And I just knew that if they had the actual tools that they'd be able to make that happen. And, and that, the evolution of that is exactly what we're seeing. Can you tell us about, you've talked a lot about mentorship or Mm -hmm. being a part of the group, Mm -hmm. part of a group. Um, Can you tell us who some of your mentors were, some of your inspirations, and and how'd you interact Mm -hmm. with them? Yeah, yeah. Mine was like uh, people like uh, Snake Doctor, um, who was one of our... um, He's like he's considered the father of Afrofuturism in Mm -hmm. Lamar Park. Mm -hmm. And this brother was like... uh, he just believes he could just manifest, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And um, he has that go-get-it mentality, and he's just really harsh at explaining it, you know what I'm saying? And uh, with no holds bars. And he's really he really pushes a hard line, and he's been doing this for a long time, and he's been making a living off his craft for a long time, and he's created a business out of it. And um, so he's one of my mentors. Um, I have mentors who are younger than me, you know what I'm saying? There's a brother by the name of Prophet Walker, you know what I'm saying, that I've learned a whole lot from, you know what I'm saying? He's brought a lot of information, resources, and um, he's like really free-hearted and sharing, and I love the way he communicates to people, even in under conflict. So people like that, I'm I'm learning from. Very nice. So uh, I've been dying to ask you this. I probably ask you this every time I'm in the store. Mm -hmm. Uh, 
So what's up with the sneakers? The sneakers are there, man. Really? Yeah, yeah. I we, never we, see sneakers. Yeah, yeah. Or others, you all have like one shoe yeah, that's like ten thousand dollars. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> that, that, that happened. So one of the, one of the great things that happened within this last uh, six months is that um, we have our soul folk sneaker. It's called Ben Freeze, and that comes out Black History Month. Oh, it's fire. Can I get a pair to wear yeah. to the King Parade? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're going to love it, brother. They got the glow in the dark bottoms. You didn't, red, black, you and didn't green. hear me. I, I, said, I, said, I said definitely. Yeah, okay. oh, the King no Parade question. is Monday. Yeah, no, that's definitely. We can walk okay. over there right after all right, this. All right, all right. Oh, wow. We're in the community. Word. That's where one yeah. of the great things that's that happening manifesting. here. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Yeah, we're we, we here, man. So, yeah, that's easy. Okay. So, yeah, okay. I wear a pair of new sneakers to the King Parade every year. No, that's dope. What size are you? Ten and a half. Kenya, you got that? Okay, cool. We cool. got it. All right, there we go. There we go. All right, I'm I'm done. You got any questions for me? <laughs> yeah, man. Um, um, I, I know you have a couple of programs concerning like uh, keeping these gas vehicles off the street and bringing in some electric cars. What do you have for our community in regards to that? Well, you know, it's interesting. So this, what the city, the city programs are mostly mm -hmm. around the charging infrastructure, mm -hmm. because especially for people who live in apartments, which a lot of our people live in apartments, mm -hmm. you don't necessarily have a garage where you can plug in or, right. you know, a, a driver where you can plug in. So mm -hmm. a lot of it is creating the, the, uh, the infrastructure for it. Mm -hmm. um, but the, the, challenge now is the opposite so mm -hmm. now more people it used to be a struggle to get people to buy electric vehicles mm -hmm. now more people want ve electric vehicles mm -hmm. far more than the companies can produce, produce them mm -hmm. so everybody's waiting you know a year a year and a half mm -hmm. six months things like that mm -hmm. i really have a it's like all the things you have to get through during a short time in office but one of the things i really want to get to is senior citizens mm -hmm. you know i live in one of these neighborhoods where i have a lot of seniors mm -hmm. who are women mm -hmm. live alone right and so they have to a lot of times get someone to go to the gas station with mm -hmm. them right because the okay. gas station you know gas yeah. gas stations are gas stations no, right and if they had an electric car yeah they just plug in while they're mm -hmm. at the house they don't take long trips mm -hmm. for the most part anyway right uh, so they're ideal candidates for no, that makes sense. for electric cars and you know it's the short trips that produce the most pollution in, mm -hmm. in uh neighborhoods so those are two of the things that we're we're, um, we're trying to do. Also, you know, we got we just opened the Crenshaw line, right. uh, and I have to say, folks, mm -hmm. I've been in my car on Crenshaw a couple of times. That train passes; I don't see a single person yeah, on it. Yeah, so yeah, we got to. I know it's cold and it's raining, and mm -hmm. we don't do that. Well, uh, I, I think I think once everything happens with LAX, yeah, you know what I'm saying. I think I think that's kind of yes. Be once it actually goes yeah. to the airport, yeah. yeah well, you know, I think that. Two, also, like, things just haven't returned to normal. Mm -hmm. Like, people's mm -hmm. travel patterns are not the same mm -hmm. yet uh, as they were before the pandemic. Yeah, so the, the that's the other thing. So you want people to not have to have an individual mm -hmm. car, mm -hmm. right? So we were just, this is a long answer to your short question. It was just earlier today meeting with a developer who wants to do an apartment building mm -hmm. where you can buy a parking space if you want to, mm -hmm. but with your apartment, comes the ability to to short-term lease mm -hmm. a, a fleet of electric vehicles that will belong to the apartment building wow so if you live in that apartment you can use an electric car for a day for a weekend for, nah, you know, for a short amount of time and that mm -hmm. that's a part of your rent mm -hmm. and they want to do that because it's cheaper for them to give you to let you use a car that they bought mm -hmm. than it is for them to build parking spaces two parking spaces for every apartment wow so it's a you know things are moving yeah yeah, that's like a, that developer that that um, 
that guy is smart for mm-hmm. doing that. You know, um, I think I told you probably a while ago about the fact that we have some uh, electric vehicles. Mm-hmm. Some, uh, mm-hmm. I think it's uh, pedicabs. Yeah, yeah, about, no, I rode in one. Yeah, yeah, we have about 25 of those, man. And we want to kind of figure out how we can hire some of these young people to actually start driving people around, not only as transportation, but as ambassadors of the community. Yeah. So I do want to talk to you more about that. And Well, I'm very excited mm-hmm. about getting the, the pedicabs along Destination mm-hmm. Crenshaw. So, yes. like, once all the art is there, mm-hmm. the, you know, you can mm-hmm. have be in a pedicab that, you know, you, there can be a video in it. At least yep. the one I, they showed me had yep. video capacity. Yes, it does. So somebody, mm-hmm. the car can show you what you're looking at in yes. real life mm-hmm. um, as you're driving down the uh, driving down the boulevard. Nice. So it's, it's yeah, it's mm-hmm. it's uh, it's exciting. It's an exciting time. Okay. Okay. Last question. Yes, sir. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, how do we deal with uh, a lot of these um, investors and these properties that are just land banking in our community? You know, that's tough. We have you, you mm-hmm. can only in in our system. Mm-hmm. One, I think we should change the system, mm-hmm. right? So. Land shouldn't automatically go to the person with the most money, mm-hmm. right? But that's a big that that takes Decades. a cataclysmic mm-hmm. change in the way our economy works. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think we have to just do it too. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I think part of our part of the challenge is the things that we are we get super excited about the things we can see, mm-hmm. and we often don't pay attention to the things we can't see. Right. So for you know, someone who has a choice to renovate their business and make it look really nice mm-hmm. or buy the building, mm-hmm. a lot of times we'll use the money to, re- to to renovate somebody else's building. Okay. Right? And so I think we just got to move away. We have to just recognize like, hey, if we put all our eggs in the ownership basket, mm-hmm. you have to give up something for that. Often you have to give up something. Okay. Or delay getting something else. And I think that that's really what we have to do. I mean, people just have to know. Mm-hmm. that it's super important to own and that's the only way you can be permanent that feeds into that conversation about buying back the block mm-hmm. so and and this is actually to both of you mm-hmm. why is that concept significant to the economic development of the local community well the the all wealth is created with two things all there's this is changing a little bit but not much you need two things to create any kind of wealth you need land and you need labor and usually the people who control the land are the ones controlling the labor. And by controlling, I don't mean people are in slavery. I mean, they decide how much you get paid. They decide when you can work. They decide what the terms of your working are, your work will be, your, your wage labor will be. And so you're always at a disadvantage if you don't own the land. Uh, and you can call it your community all you want, but if somebody decides, you know, as one of our treasured restaurants this week, mm-hmm someone new acquired the property that they were leasing and didn't want to continue the lease. So guess what? That restaurant doesn't get to say. And there's nothing legally that can be done to stop that. You know, for me, I was I was incarcerated during Ferguson and I would watch the news and watch how we were tearing up our communities. And um, I just realized, I mean, at that point, it was obvious that if we owned it, we wouldn't destroy it, right? And then um, I start looking at ways to um, where the community can actually have ownership and um, I found um, some information about uh, a brother in 1969 who had they were, they were sharecroppers and they wanted to vote and um, you know the white people in the community didn't want them voting but when they decided to vote they figured out a way to take their land from them and things of that nature so they formed the first uh, CLT and that CLT was formed they came together and got about 
I don't know, 5,000 square feet. Describe I mean, what a CLT is. Oh, a CLT, a community land trust. And so they, um, through that community land trust, they actually was able to govern that property. That property, I think it was 5,000 acres. And um, through a lot of uh, racial moves, they were able to take it from them, the FHA, then give them the proper loans and all those different things. And then I think in 1989, that organization came back, got a large um, settlement, and they went back and they purchased that land and started building. And so by studying them, I, that's how I found out about a community land trust. And um, now I, I went to a community land trust uh, convention probably about a month ago, and it was only like five of us there. Right, and it's all white people. Wow, and in a community land trust in the community conference? land wow. trust conference, there was only like five of us there that were black, and this was started by a brother. You know what I'm saying? In 1969, so you know, like we, we ownership is like king. You know what I'm saying? And nobody's really listening to you unless you're really a, a stakeholder. Um, and uh, yeah, so it's it's really important to be able to own it. I mean, like, like the example I told you earlier about the people who couldn't even. Um, they, they, they couldn't even forecast what they was going to do in the next two years. They couldn't create a decent business plan if you don't have ownership. You know, a lot of people don't listen to you until you have a stake. Do you envision your organization, Black-owned and operated um, community land trust, growing? Um, and do you see it um, even going past Limerick Park? Yeah, I, I see it. I mean, going past Lemur Park, yeah, it's possible, but I, I really see it as a, um, an example to other communities to come together. You know, um, I can't tell you how many phone calls I get from business owners who saw what we did and was like, yo, mm-hmm. how can we mm-hmm. actually purchase our space? You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? And, um, you know, utilizing some of the resources we have, we start pushing people in the right direction. So I think that's more important than us expanding and doing it bigger. I think it's more or less uh, people understanding that they do have a tool to actually achieve ownership um, together, you know, minus our little petty differences. <laughs> How can we encourage more um, business owners to become part of a community land trust? I, like I told you, you know, we, we have seven businesses in my building, and out of that seven, four of us decided to come together. You know what I'm saying? Um, it's, it's, you, they're going to have to want to do it. You know what I'm saying? And that's basically it. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's quite a responsibility. You know, it happened for us. I mean, I, my building was $6 million. The owner of the property took it off the market. At a certain point, we had to give him an extra $500,000 to purchase it. We didn't have a dime. Several of us was behind in, in, in our rent. You know what I'm saying? When we decided to declare we was going to sure. buy the building. But a year to that date that we declared in that newspaper, we bought the building. We we closed escrow, and so you got to believe also. And yep. it is it is a um, well, how did it is that a struggle. Happen? Well, through a lot of uh, campaigning, a lot of uh, relationships, a lot of people um, having back conversations with organizations saying this is important, this is pivotal. These people don't, you know, get this property. It's a matter of time before it becomes something that they don't want in that community. Yep. So you did fundraising? Yeah, we did we did fundraising. We went through nonprofit organizations. We went through um, financial institutions that are in our community that's been, you know, for years um, destroying our community. And we talked to them and, you know, they got a new regime. And so they're putting their money where their mouth is now. So, you know, it's a lot of uh, organizations who feel as though, you know, they they have to undo the wrongs of their, their corporations. So we're utilizing those opportunities. And, you know, it worked out for us in this particular situation. This is big. I want to just highlight something you said and, and maybe go back to it because mm-hmm. I think this is one of the places where our folks get tripped up. Mm-hmm. 
is you know two of us won't like each other or mm -hmm. you know we're from the wrong side or somebody mm -hmm. dissed somebody you know mm -hmm. years ago and you know what i see when i examine the other business community they have disagreements and fights all the time yes with each other and but it doesn't stop anybody from getting deals done mm -hmm. like it when it comes down to actually doing the deal you know getting the check cut mm -hmm. getting the property taken down getting mm -hmm. the business deal done people figure out how to get past their differences and no, that's so real. um that it's one it's very very real and that's it's one of the things i want to point out because mm -hmm. it's I think we always worry that we need to get along with each other yeah. all the time, mm -hmm. which is, of course, humanly impossible and not ever likely. You know, one of the, one of the examples a lot of people don't like when I have this example, but this is the truth, you know, by being incarcerated. You know, I was in, in prison with people who were mortal enemies, right, but they were black, right? And we had to deal with race riots and um, having to, you know, come together. And this is, this is a person who their bloods and their crips, but they knew to survive. You know what I'm saying? The best thing they had to do was, was stick together. And, um, you know, what, that kind of like installed a seed in me. Like, if, if we had to, we will. You know what yeah. I'm saying? So it was, it, I wasn't taking no for an answer. And I, like, who am I? I mean, this guy probably did something to this man's family. You know what I'm saying? But they're they're sticking it out in this situation because it's, you know, believe it or not, you know, it's a lot of black people in prison, but in most of those prisons, we're outnumbered like 10 to 1. So we have to be strong in those situations. So, you know, that's that's one of the examples I like to tell people when they think they have conflicts. Um, you don't really have any conflict. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> that's actually a good example because yeah. we're outnumbered in L.A. too, yeah. and yeah. we should be sticking together. Yes. Yes. Well, yeah, it, and we all have conflicts, mm -hmm. but they all can be worked through. I mean, that's the thing. We I just got to get comfortable with it. Well, listen, we're we're uh, way beyond time. So uh, I'm going to uh, close this up here. But everybody remember to shop at Soul, folks. Thank you, brother. Hang out in Lamert Park uh, and just support in general. There's Haroon. There's, there's um, Hot and Cool. Hot and Cool. Right on. There's the galleries there. There's a bunch of good stuff to do in Lamert Park. And I think it's our cultural center. Mm -hmm. And it's frankly one of the cultural centers in the United States. So yes. And please uh, support our vendors. Yes. And the Merchant Association. That's right. That's, that's right. right. And. And, you know, especially once it's warm, mm -hmm. there's feels like there's some kind of festival or yeah. street party in Lamert Park every weekend or if not every two weeks. Yes. Um, so you can always uh, count on having a good time, mm -hmm. seeing someone smile at you uh, mm -hmm. and being being inspired by uh, some artwork. So we got to we wrap up with our um, lightning round session. Uh, mm -hmm. We're trying to we're building a compendium of okay. uh, people, places and things and activities mm -hmm. in South L.A. that folks like. So all of our guests, we ask these three questions and okay. we just say, take a beat and answer. First mm -hmm. thing that comes to your mind. Uh, favorite song that represents South L.A.? Uh, Victory Lap by Nipsey Hussle. There it is. Mm -hmm. uh, favorite designer or artist from South L.A.? Uh, that's a tie. That's uh, Steak Doctor and um, Steak Doctor and Sika. Sika. Okay. Yes. Cool. cool. Mm -hmm. And then uh, the entrepreneur in South L.A. that inspires you the most? Magic Johnson. Wow. Mm -hmm. Excellent. All right. Akil West, everybody. Yeah. Uh, founder and originator of uh, the Soul Folks Collective mm -hmm. and one of our business leaders in uh, the great Lamert Park Village. Thank you, brother, for having me. Thank you. Thank you for listening to MHD Off the Record. And special thank you to Felicia the Poetess Morris of Morris Media Studios in Lamert Park. For more information, please visit mhdcd8.com and follow at MHDCD8 on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Don't forget to rate us five stars, subscribe, and share with a friend.